8,667,342,000 pounds of leaves that come down. Yeah, yeah. And we're looking forward to that. Things yes. are starting to change colors and they'll soon be raining down upon us. And we're looking forward to the whole season, buttoning up the garden. But we're also living in the joy of Amen. 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 Okay, so here we go. Here we go. What? Here we go. <laughs> Okay, we're going to open up the scripture today. The first scripture we're going to look at. The theme of the whole program today is being ready. Be ready. Be, be ready, Christian. Right, this song and everything, it's about being ready. And, you know, people ask you sometimes, well, what, 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 what kind of Christian are you? And they want to know, are you Orthodox or Catholic or Pentecostal or Evangelical or do you Luther go to ABC Child yeah. Church or whatever it is? You know, and uh, years and years ago, we came to the idea that uh, we felt God showed us this idea that as far as we're concerned, we're be ready Christian. And that's that's all we want to be is be ready. And so that's what today's about. We're going to open up in Second uh, Timothy. Uh, I'm going to be reading today from the New King James. Rosalie is reading from the message. Uh, we use numerous translations, and, and we, we love them all. Most, they're all good. And if you've never heard of a parallel Bible, and you'd like to see how the different translations line up, We'll get you a parallel Bible. I love mine. Rosalie's got a great one. It's got eight separate translations in there, all laid out right next to each other. So you can read a verse all the way across eight translations. Yep. It's, it's absolutely fabulous. But now 2 Timothy 4.2 says, Preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Convince, rebuke, exhort with all lux long suffering and teaching be ready you know and and this is like it says in season and out of season in other words when you're feeling good when you're not feeling good when you're you know all set up i'm ready to preach or i'm ready to teach or if you're just set up hi how are you doing it's nice to meet you and a question comes up you want to be ready at all times to share the truth of the gospel amen amen and uh that's what, what we look forward to is that you know opportunities can arise just when you're talking to people and you don't have to you know quote say well this is in you know second leviticus 75 82 or something like that you don't have to give an address you don't have to tell them paul says everything just speak the words of the bible yes and it doesn't say that we have to um, convince them to be saved it's no. just to share right you know it's not our job no one can come to the lord unless the lord draws them and no one can believe in the lord unless the lord gives us the faith to believe it's it's all a gift from the drawing to the receiving it's all a gift and so all we have to do is be 
be ready, ready with the knowledge God gives us. And how do we get that? Through the Bible. We've got to study it. Yeah. Well, or at least read it. I, I don't necessarily study it, but I, well, do, but I don't, but I do, but I don't. <laughs> I pray before I read it that the Lord speak it into my spirit and into my mind. Well, one of the hard, bad things, I mean, about a Bible college, eh? Oh, we, gosh. You know, I've been through Bible college. We've taught at Bible colleges. Yeah. And... The thing is, the Bible becomes a textbook, yep. and then people start treating it like a textbook instead of a book of Revelation. We've had so many students come through that uh, Bible school that we were at teaching, saying, "I have, my walk with the Lord is not as good as it was before I started. Yeah. And that's kind of frightening, really. It is. It is. Especially, this was a school training people to be ministers. Right. You know, and they were going to go out and be ministers, and they said, well, you know, I lost my faith there, but uh, now i got a profession, you know, or something like that. But studying the Bible, I know I study the Bible. I read the Bible. I prayerfully read the Bible. I meditate on the Bible. Yes. But I have to admit, I do study the Bible. I'll go and I'll look up different passages yes. and travel them across the different books and try to follow up thematic things. And this is one of them. Be ready. Be ready. You know, and if you would go, whatever translation you use, find a, a commentary or anything about it that will give you a topical index. You know, look up Be Ready and you'll find that it's in almost every translation. Uh, if, if it isn't actually using the words be ready, it uses different words, you know. And study it out. And, and not just be ready, but be ready for anything. Study out different, whatever interests you. You know, well, what does God say about this, you know? What does God say about marriage? What does God say about divorce? What does God say about uh, sexual relations? Whatever. You know, you can study it and follow it across book after book after book. Because God talks about these practical things in our life. All the time. It isn't just pie in the sky. No, this is a guidebook. Right. It's a guidebook for living, for yeah. living a Christian life. It is. I mean, the Bible, people, a lot of people, especially people who haven't really read it or looked into it, think it's just, you know, uh, religious talk uh -huh. and and think it's just you know nothing to do with real life but it has everything to do with real life what it tells us is true it's all true amen. and we can believe it from beginning to end amen and so this is telling us just be ready but look at some of the things it says to convince to rebuke to exhort with all long suffering in other words you know uh we can't just gloss over everything and say, well, yeah, that's okay. I'm okay. You're okay. Uh, so that's that. Rosalie, you have a scripture you want to go to? I thought you had something else. I do. I do. <laughs> and I do too. Okay. I, I've been stuck in James for so long now. And uh, it's interesting how this morning I thought, oh, shoot, that lines up with what it is we want to talk about. And it's in James Five, starting at verse 7. It says, Meanwhile, friends, wait patiently for the master's arrival. You see, farmers do this all the time, waiting for their valuable crops to mature, patiently letting the rain do its slow but sure work. Be patient like that. Stay steady and strong. The master could arrive at any, any minute. Any minute. You know, any minute. And we can't predict it, but any minute. You know, it's like the, the idea that you don't plant a seed and then come back the next day and dig it up and say, well, let's see if it's sprouting. Well, sometimes I do. <laughs> <laughs> 
Well, yeah, but that's not, not the normal way to do it. I mean, you have to give it time. Yeah. And it's the same way with things in our life of faith that we have to allow for God to, to work things out. Yes, yes, yes. Sometimes he does miraculous, instantaneous, bang, there it is. Mm-hmm. You know, many times we just have to put it out there, have faith, and let God work it out. Yeah, and just sit there saying, why, Lord, why am I waiting? <laughs> <laughs> or just say, God's going to do it. Amen. God's going to do it. People may walk around telling you, well, it don't look like God's going to do it. All you got to answer is, God's going to do it. Amen. In his time. In his, right. In his time. That's the whole thing. We, we're we not operating on our time in the kingdom of heaven. We're operating on God's time. Yes. And since you know that he, meaning God, cares, let your language show it. This is, again, in James. Don't add words like, I swear to God, to your own word. I say that. I used to say that often. Don't show your impatience by concocting oaths to hurry up God. Just say yes or no. Just say what is true. That way, your language can't be used against you. While you're waiting... (laughs) <laughs> yeah, you know? yeah. Well, you know, sometimes that makes me think of some of the formulas people come up with. They say, you know, they yes. shake a promise in God's face. God, you promised me that you're going to do this now. Where is it all? Yes. You know, and holding things up and like, we don't have to threaten God. Oh, goodness. We don't have to trick God or try to manipulate God. For one thing, it's impossible to do. Right. And all it shows is our lack of faith. Lack of patience. Lack of patience, true. You know, patience, another thing that comes out of James 2 is like, that's to be patient in suffering so that ah. God can develop patience within us. So you had to bring that up. Ah, yeah, you know. But now I want to turn to uh, 1 Peter 3.15. And this is once again out of the New King James. And it's it's an interesting scripture because, you know, Peter, I always call him the, the, the uh, patron saint of I got my foot in my mouth. Yeah. You know, and if you read uh, in the, the Gospel of Mark, which is known, thought by some to be the Gospel of Peter, since Mark was like a son to him and traveled with him, and that they, some people believe that he recorded the Gospel as according to Peter. And so this is what he says in 3.15. But sanctify the Lord God in your hearts, and always be ready to give a defense to everyone who asks you a reason for the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. You know, and what we're talking about here is... once again, being ready to give an answer to people, ask you what's what's going on. Why why are you waiting? Why are you believing for a healing? Why are you believing God is going to solve these problems or get you out of these circumstances? Well, it's because I have faith, you know, and I believe God. I've done what God's called me to do, and I believe things are just going to work out the way God wants them to. And whatever it is, it's going to be all right, you know. When He says with with fear, uh, meekness, and fear, in other words, don't be overly proud about it. Say, well, God's on my side, you know. I know this is going to happen. Just realize that God's on my side, and I know this is going to happen. Amen. Amen. Out of the message, it says, Be ready to speak up and tell anyone who asks why you're living the way you are, and always with the utmost courtesy. Oh, that's Yeah. You know, because people will question you. Well, why Why do you do that, or why do you do this? Absolutely. You know, why and just saying you? because doesn't work. Yeah, yeah, you know, and if we don't have a... a 
an answer, and our answer should be based on God's word, uh-huh. you know, not just on our experience even or anything, but on God's word. That should be our answer, and this is this is why I believe that. I believe I'm going to be healed because by His stripes I am healed. Well, and I think that we need to know why we believe what we believe. Oh, Amen. I remember ministering to a gal in North Carolina at the hotel when we were checking in one time. She said she was I don't know how it even came up that she was studying to be a Christian or something like yeah. that. Yeah. And and she asked me something, and I said. Well, it's important that you know what you believe. Amen. It really is. I remember going down and talking to her later after we checked in about. The- Otherwise, you know, it's like people say, "Well, yeah, I'm, I'm, I was born to Christian. My mother and father were Christians. I was born a Christian. I've always been in church. But, you know, and they don't really know anything about the faith except what someone has told them, what they've heard somewhere. They haven't really studied it out. I've never gotten it deep in their spirit. Oh, uh-huh. oh you know, and that's that's the difference. Uh, you know, it's like they know about it, but they don't know it. You know. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I always say, what's you know, the difference between heaven and hell is about the space between your mind and your heart. Because you can you can know it, and it won't do you any good. But if you believe it, it's going to do you all the good in the world. Amen. Amen. All right. Well, now what are we going? We're going to share a song with you. Oh, good. And uh, <laughs> hope you enjoy it. It's called "Be Ready." <laughs> I'm be ready, Christian. Waiting for the trumpet to blow. I'm a be red Christian, steady, ready, and set to go. I'm watching the sea of snap open, watching the bowls fall. This may look like the end of everything. The Spirit says, yes, you go. Go and be red
you enjoyed the song. It was such a joy. I mean, a real joy singing that one, writing that one. And um, it's just full of scripture on how to live. And it's, it's one of my favorites. So now we're going to move on to the reading of the book. We're into chapter 16, 16. <laughs> of America's Trojan War. Yeah. And remember, this is the first book of a five-book series. Chapter 16, A Family Affair. Mitch Williams met his future wife, Joan, when he was 15 years old at a high school dance in the spring of their sophomore year. He fell in love at first sight. He spent the night dancing with her, then accompanied her home, and went in and told her father, I'm going to marry your daughter. Her father promptly threw him out of the house and forbade Joan to ever see him again. That didn't work. By the end of that summer, they were going steady. By the end of their junior year, they were engaged, even though Midge, Mitch couldn't afford a ring. They didn't tell anyone. Within a few months of their graduation, they were both 18, and even though Joan's parents refused to attend, they were married in a small ceremony in a little chapel in the woods. Unable to find any work in rural Virginia, Mitch joined the Army, and for the next 22 years, they moved all over the world. After qualifying for and finishing officer's candidate school, Mitch rose to the rank of captain and served in the first Gulf War before he retired and returned home to Dinwiddie to open his gun store. Theirs was a love story that never seemed to grow old. Though now in their late 40s, Mitch often told friends he had the best wife in the world. And when asked how long they had been married, his answer was always, not long enough. Joan Williams was a devoted wife and mother. At five foot two and three quarters, she was small, but she was a high-energy go-getter. Mitch always called her his energizer bunny because he could never seem to get her to slow down. From the moment she woke up till she went to bed, she was all go and no slow. Besides raising five children, she had started a very successful business, teaching people how to cook, pan, and garden. She was also a highly respected social media blogger whose commentaries and essays were carried on hundreds of conservative and patriot websites. The five Williams children ranged in age from Mitch Jr. at 27 to the youngest, their only daughter, Sue, at 12. Both Jr. and Billy, who was 25, were veterans, having gone from the junior ROTC into the regular army right after high school. Between them, they had deployments in Iraq and Afghanistan under their belts by the time they left the military to return home. The third oldest, Lonnie, was 22, in the army and stationed in Germany. Jimmy, who was the family's obligatory Bubba was 16 and a sophomore in high school. When the decision to roll on Arlington was reached, Joan, Jr., and Billy met at the gun shop and helped load the weapons and ammo into the private Humvees, Jeeps, and other vehicles that soon started lining up in the loading bay. Joan was an expert marksman and had been the first member of the Dinwiddie Patriots. Junior and Billy were members number three and four, respectively. All three were leaders in their own right, and not just because they were the family of the commander. Each had raised their own squad and had worked drilling and training them from day one. Today, they rolled up the back roads towards Arlington, each with their own squad by a separate route. Mitch was thinking of Joan and the boys while he prayed that America could be saved. He also spent quite a bit of time praying for his beloved wife and their two sons. Lord, help us each to do our duty, and please, God, let my wife and boy, boys come through this alive. Ignoring the temptation to assault the captured armory and PD station in Vienna, the combined units of the Virginia Patriot Network maintained their focus to converge on the Virginia Hospital Center in Arlington, taking many different routes, coming from all directions, passing through small town after small town. They picked up hundreds of police officers who were either members 
members or sympathizers who took their patrol cars and joined the caravans. By the time the many streams of patriots reached their designated staging area at Lacey Woods Park, five blocks from the hospital, they had been driving through ruin and devastation for many blocks. There were fires raging in houses and businesses. There were places where the streets had been pulverized. Water mains were flooding wide areas. Power lines were down and bodies were strewn almost everywhere they looked. We can't stay here long, Mitch thought as he pulled into the 14-acre park. A few well-placed shells would take us all out. Pulling his war surplus Humvee into the lot, he could see that there were many more that had been bought at auction from the military. Many of the groups had at least one they had armored and armed themselves. The Dinwiddie Patriots had five of them. Using his ham radio, Mitch broadcast, I want all group leaders to meet me at the park office. Given the events of the day, the park office was deserted. Mitch kicked in the door, followed by the leaders of the arriving groups. Once they were crowded into the largest room, they could find a combination lunch presentation room. Mitch said, all right, we don't have long. The enemy may have spotters out here, and a few rounds would devastate this park and everyone in it. Does everyone have a city map? Knowing that city maps of all major cities in Virginia was a required part of the intelligent packet for every group, he was glad to see every head shaking in the affirmative. We all know our group numbers. I want all odd numbers to head east on Washington Boulevard, then north on North Glebe Road. Peel off units on 15th, 16th, and 17th. The unit that takes 17th Street should be big enough to split in two, with half working their way on side streets to the north side of the complex. Just then there was a disturbance near the door of the room as two patriots hustled in an Arlington PD sergeant into the center of the room. Though he was obviously surrounded and outgunned, the sergeant asked with all the authority he could muster. Who are you people and what are you doing? We are the Virginia Patriot Network and we are here to kill those no good bastards in the hospital, answered Mitch. Without hesitation, the sergeant said, thank God. I hope you were really the good guys when I saw the American flags. These invaders are wearing American military uniforms, but they're flying ISIS flags, said the sergeant. Yeah, we're the good guys and we are going to assault the hospital immediately, Mitch said to a chorus of kill the bastards let's go a chance of usa usa i see there are many police vehicles from all over the state here with you me and my command will join you too the sergeant said great mitch said contact your precinct tell them to send any tactical vehicles or equipment they have he continued everything we had and most of our on-duty staff were taken out by some high explosive and incendiary rounds almost immediately our off-duty personnel have been rallying to me i have a force of about 20 men and six cars said the sergeant. Fine. Your force will join up with the even number of assault teams. I want you right here with me for your knowledge of the local area, responded Mitch. Knowing this delay had taken precious minutes from what needed to be a fast deployment, Mitch knew they had to disperse or risk coming under fire from the enemy's big guns. I want the even-numbered teams to head south on Washington Boulevard then north on North Greenbrier Street. Spread yourselves evenly along the perimeter, sending enough units to join up with the odd number of teams north of the complex. Looking around the room, he saw many faces that belonged to old friends, and even the ones he didn't know personally. He knew all of them had been training and planning for this day for years. They had tried using their votes, letters to the senators, representatives, and newspapers to wake country up to the danger it faced from unrestricted and uncontrolled immigration, and especially to the danger of bringing hundreds of thousands of unvetted people in from the very stomping ground of the enemy, all to no avail. Now, that was 
which they had long feared had come upon them. They were determined to do something about it. Fellow patriots, we all know many of us may not live to see the sun go down today, but by God, we're not going to sit on our hands while the sun goes down on our United States of America. The cheers and shouts were deafening. Mitch continued, let every man and woman do their duty. Let God guide our arms as we defend our nation, our families, and our way of life. And may God bless America. Once again, the cheers and shouts were deafening. Let's roll, Mitch finished off with a well-known network code word for full deployment. And the leaders began leaving the room to return to their units and begin to implement the Patriots' plan to retake the Virginia Hospital Center from the ISIS invaders. As he walked out of the park office, he saw Joan Jr. and Billy waiting for him. For a moment, they all stood looking at each other, knowing that by the end of the day, some or all of them could be dead. Mitch embraced each of them each of his sons. Junior, Billy, I'm proud of you. I always have been, but I've never been prouder than I am at this moment. You're patriots and heroes. Turning to Joan, tears filled Mitch's eyes as he embraced the love of his life. My love, I hate these Islamic bastards for bringing this into your life. I'm so proud of you. You're not only the mother of this family, you're the representative of the mothers of this nation. And all I can say is if I had my life to live over, I would have found you sooner so that I could love you longer. Tears were also in Joan's eyes as she held the man she loved, as she remembered the boy who had announced they would be married on the day they met. With her arms still wrapped around her husband, she motioned with her fingers to her sons, and soon all of them were mutually embraced in a group hug as she prayed, God, I commit my family into your hands. We are here fighting for the freedom of all, the freedom you have built into us as a necessary part of a godly life. We are fighting for Lara and Larry and Baba and Sue. We are fighting for life, and I ask you to protect my family in this fight and give us the victory in Jesus' name. Amen. Hating to lead the loving war for their family circle. They reluctantly split off in separate directions. Joan, Jr., and Billy to the unions they, units they led, and Mitch to the command unit. Soon, the hundreds of vehicles packed into the park and standing in concentric rings for blocks in all directions began to disperse and follow Mitch's directions for their assault on the enemy. Luckily for them, though the ISIS strike force did have spotters out in that area, the spotters lost all but two members, and their walkie-talkie was destroyed by a misplaced but very fortunate 9mm round from a now-dead PD officer. Consequently, Though their concentration had been spotted, it took a while for one of the spotters to make it back to the hospital and then get to his commander. By the time high explosive rounds began to rain down on the park from the 105mm Abrams main guns, there were only a few vehicles left that weren't on their way to deploy. The occupants of all those vehicles died. At about the same time, the remaining spotter was located by a police patrol and eliminated. So the enemy didn't know that the righteous indignation of thousands of American citizens was about to explode all over them. Thank you, Robert. Oh my goodness, is that getting exciting. More and more exciting all of the time. Oh, and the characters, how they relate with each other is really interesting. Thank you for that reading. We want you to know you can get that book at Amazon.com along with all of the others. This is the first of a five-part series. And there's many other books out there Robert has written besides that one. So now what do I tell them? <laughs>
<laughs> all I have to do is go to Amazon.com and in the search bar put in America's Trojan War, Dr. Robert Owens. Click it, it'll take you right to that book, and you can click on my name there, and it'll take you to my author's page. Buy all of my more than 30 books. They're either in Kindle or paperback. So, okay. thanks for being with us. We'll look forward to seeing you again <laughs> next time. Bye-bye. <laughs>